Welcome to the Prog Talks by the Prog Space. Welcome to the Prog Talks, an interview series by the Prog Space where we will be talking to musicians in all corners of the progressive music scene. Welcome to the Prog Talks. Once again with Uncle Prog, Rune, here today. And today I'm excited because I have with me Dave Kaminski from Stone Healer, who just released their debut album. How are you doing, Dave? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me on. You're very welcome. And I'm, like I said, I'm excited because Conquistador, which is Stone Healer's debut album, was released just a few days ago uh, on the 30th of April, right? Yes. How, how has the reception been? Oh, man, it's it's been amazing so far, to be honest. Uh, I've been absolutely shocked by how well it's gone over and and uh in reviews and uh just kind of the feedback we've gotten from from uh especially new listeners because we're a relatively unknown band uh, we just put out our our very first ep back in 2015 and then it was radio silence for a few years <laughs> uh, but we've gotten a ton of streams on spotify and on bandcamp and and we've been selling cds and merch and it's just it's been far exceeded my expectations and i see some reviews have started coming in and they're overall very positive right absolutely yeah and that's also really awesome for me to see like i see reviewers really getting the intention of the music and as you know as the writer of all this stuff and as as a creator i mean any creator wants to have their art understood but uh this is such emotionally meaningful material to me that it i guess it has extra meaning when when a writer really takes the time to to dive deep and and feel along with me uh and get the music on that level yeah. so that that in addition to the very favorable reviews has been really wonderful yeah we're going to go a bit more into that because that's one of the favorite or most interesting aspects uh for me about conquistador but to start with, I'm going to ask, you know, that dreaded question for people who don't know Stone Healer. <laughs> how would you describe your music? You know, not everyone watching, like you said, you're a, a, a up and coming bands. And, you know, how how would you describe what you're doing with Stone Healer to someone who might not have heard you guys? Yeah. And there are plenty of people who haven't heard us, uh, but uh, I I have been describing this record as a mashup of Alice in Chains and Ulcerate. Like if you if you're into like really dissonant and enveloping like technical and and avant-garde death black metal and also like big booty shake and rock and roll. <laughs> we meet you in the middle. <laughs> well, I love that dis- description. I, I I really do and I think it I think it uh, touches on a lot of what you're doing, but I think also personally I I would add that there's a lot of progressive tendencies and elements in there that would appeal to someone who likes progressive death metal or progressive black metal or whatever in addition to, you know, your like you say, your more modern, straightforward rock and roll elements and the more like avant-garde black metal elements. Yeah. And I, w- I was thinking about this this morning, you know, before coming on, 
uh, you know, just thinking about the, the prog element of the music. And for me, like, you know, I've always loved progressive music, whether it's prog rock or prog metal of, of any kind of sub sub genre. But, um, you know, what what I have here with this album, it's like somehow the middle point of those very polar influences of mine has created a really progressive metal sounding album, yeah. even if that wasn't necessarily my intention. Um, that's just kind of like where that middle point ends up being, uh, you know, because I I love big, fat rock grooves and I love last beats. Yeah, and, <laughs> and the combination of them sounds like progressive metal. Yeah, I find that very interesting because as someone who loves progressive music, but also loves, you know, your black metal, your death metal, your, you know, both technical and, and more straightforward stuff. I find it interesting how uh, a band like Stonehiller is progressive more in, you know, the sense of the word progressive than in the sense of the genre description, like progressive metal, right? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, with, with this, I mean, I made a musical evolution over the last few years to get to this point. And part of that was shedding the pretense of having to make a certain kind of metal record. Yeah. Um, and you know, a lot of, I've said it before, like a lot of elements on this record are gigantic fuck yous to metal elitism and to people who want to categorize art as this is progressive black metal, or this is progressive death metal, or this is for fans of this band and this band and this band. And I don't know, I, I just wanted to make something that was really authentic to me. And I human beings are beautiful, complex creatures, and I am not just one thing and neither are any of us. So that's, that was my goal is not to, you know, is I didn't want to set out to make a progressive metal record. I just making me. Exactly. And, and as someone who sort of is on the, the music journalist side of this, I both love and hate those subgenres and categories and all that because you know of course it's putting music into boxes isn't helpful in many ways but at the same time having some kind of uh, you know tags to help people find things they might enjoy is helpful so exactly yeah so i think but for someone who creates music i think that's less than helpful right like you mentioned you want to make your art you don't want to be labeled or boxed in um by expectations or whatever and that's the beautiful thing though it's like you know this this constant a push and pull of the artist is going to try to make music just for themselves and like be true to themselves and, and keep themselves out of categorical boxes. And, and the people who write about it and who want to promote this music are going to try to put it into, into boxes and, and tag it as certain things. And it's this push and pull that I think is awesome because there's, you can't have one without the other. Nobody would hear this record if somebody didn't call it progressive metal. You know, so yeah. so it's like it's it's awesome, and and both things can exist simultaneously. I think, yeah, I think that's that's right, and I think that's a, a, a necessary way of doing it, even if it can put you know maybe a label that's uh, if not unnecessary, then you know restricting on something. It can also open up for people to you know experience new things. If you come into this um, album 
you know, with the the label um, progressive metal on your forehead, then I think you might get some positive experiences. You might get some surprises and you might uh, discover another, you know, aspects of music that you not necessarily do through more traditional progressive metal. But uh, yeah, I think it's interesting anyway. So I want to ask a little bit about Conquistador then, because like you mentioned, it's been six years since you released that first EP, Mm -hmm. uh, He Who Rides Immolated Horses. I went back and listened to that (laughs) and uh, I I really enjoyed that as well. and I believe you recorded most of the album in your own studio. I, only the drums were recorded sort of outside of that, right? And Mostly. So, yeah. yeah. So what can you tell me about the process? You know, did you immediately start after the EP working on this? On how long has it been going? What's your creative process like? So uh, the EP came out in 2015, but a couple of the songs that, uh, that appear on Conquistador are, you know, they were written actually, you know, at the same time as I wrote the material for the EP. So like dating back to 2014, um, and, and with, with that EP back then and in 2015, um, it was really just supposed to be a demo. I was really, uh, you know, I'd been in a lot of bands before this and, and I hadn't ever kind of taken the reins a hundred percent. Um, you know, I'd always written all the music, but I'd never been performing vocals and and bass as well. Um, you know, so, so with this, this was, I wanted to start a new band under a new moniker where I was going to be true, you know, really true and authentic to myself and make whatever comes out. Yet I was coming from the world of like black metal, progressive black metal. Um, and I, I felt I wanted to just kind of dip my toes in the water yeah. with trying something more ambitious. Um, and, and, you know, it was a good thing that I chose to, you know, keep the original demo EP uh, to be, you know, just four songs um, and not, not, not put the, the, what I was thinking of as the gems that I was working on onto that one first because yeah. I needed to refine those arrangements. I, ne- I needed to grow as a musician and songwriter, honestly, as a recording engineer as well. Um, so I've been working on, um, let's see, uh, the second song of the album, uh, Whence Shall I? And the third song of the album, Surrender, were both written back in 2014. Mm. Um, and between 2014 and 2018, uh, which is the year that we actually started recording this album um that's i'd been working on just arranging and rearranging and writing and rewriting uh those tunes in addition to the other uh the other five of them um but it's been a crazy process to get here starting in 2018 uh i i had a i i yoloed all my money into a recording budget because i'm a recording engineer by trade yeah but I had to learn that I'm actually good at what I do. <laughs> that was a huge learning experience for me. I, I didn't trust myself enough at that time in 2018 to do justice to my music. I didn't believe in myself. I see. I and see. Yeah. So, so I, I made the decision at that point that I was going to entrust somebody else to record the album and mix the album. And, and that ended up being, a mistake at the time because mm. I ended up spending a whole lot of money at a beautiful recording studio and not coming away with what I expected 
from that experience. Um, and it, you know, it was, I, I joke, it was a $10,000 mistake, but it was also hmm. kind of a, a, a beautiful life lesson for me and a yeah. professional lesson and allowing me to realize like in my job and what I do with artists, working with them one-on-one, -on -one, recording their music and producing their music, you know, I do things that other people don't do. And you can't expect that same treatment out of every recording experience that that you walk into. So, you know, we recorded we recorded the drums and guitars and bass and and we recorded the whole album uh, over the course of like three weeks at this amazing recording studio in, in Connecticut, where which is our our home state. Um, and gradually over the next year from spring 2018 to about spring 2019, I realized like, I can't use most of this stuff. Like I, I need to just, you know, and I was doing walking it backwards step-by-step step, like damage control. Like maybe I can save this. Maybe I can save mm. that. I, you know, I couldn't, I couldn't use a lot of what we came up with to the point that I ended up just kind of, I re-recorded most of the guitars, uh, over the next year. I re-recorded most of the vocals. I had to do major damage, damage control with the drum tracks just to get them to where they are. And, and, you know, it, it took me two full years, two and a half full years of just constant work, little by little trial and error to get the album to the point that it, it is now where, you know, I was finally happy with it by the end of 2020. <laughs> yeah. And that's the only reason why it's come out now is because I've, I spent all that time and effort just trying, just working through these, these crazy problems and setbacks with the recording itself. I see. I see. So, so what you're saying sort of is, is because the drums that are on the album now, they are then recorded in that studio with a lot of, you know, uh, work from your side to 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 make them usable for you but other than that the album was more or less recorded two times first in the studio and then once again by you right yeah essentially i mean i you know i can you know the 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 details are kind of boring but uh you know i I would record and re-record things and like for instance i didn't end up getting uh di's on the guitar, the rhythm guitars, uh, and during, during the original sessions, which is something that I really wanted to make sure I had mm -hmm. so that there was recourse with the guitar tones. If I wanted to reamp things later, you know, stuff like that, that I just didn't, I didn't end up getting, like I thought I was going to get, uh, which made it more difficult and made it, you know, so that I had to redo stuff later. Uh, but, um, I ended up fully like 100% stoked with how, yes. how the mixes came out and the mix and the master, the final master and everything. Um, and it took a really long time, but it was worth doing. Cause I can finally say for the first time in my career that I'm like completely happy with how a release of mine ended up, uh, seeing the world. Yeah. Well, I guess also it's, it's the album sounds very good. So I think you did a, a great job there, but in addition to that, that's must be a very important thing for a, a musician wanting to uh, release what's really, really their debut or, you know, 
bringing because this ep is of course uh, it's a good ep but like you said it's almost like a demo it was more thought of yeah. like a to to sort of check out what what this new project would be and then this new album is sort of exposing stone healer to the world so I, i'm guessing having to be able to stand behind that 100 both with the production the sound everything and in addition to the music is important to you it's liberating. It's truly like freeing uh, because, you know, especially because of, of how much um, emotional weight has gone into the material itself. Like it's it's freeing twofold uh, because it 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 feels like an emotional and spiritual release to to physically put the CD out to to release the album into the world uh but it was also you know just a a long cathartic process to write and the process of recording and the process of mixing and uh you know getting to that point where i sent it off to my pr guy and said do yeah. whatever you want with it man i'm done <laughs> <laughs> Well, I think you know um that's I want to touch a bit on that that theme and that because it's it's not a concept album but it has a strong theme and it seems that's to right. be related to you know spirituality it's related to religion personal growth I would say it seems mm -hmm. like a lot of and it's it's it seems to be a very personal album um so would you expand a bit on that the you know the background on conquistador on yeah. and, and the themes that are are uh, therein yeah um it's it is you you hit the nail on the head it, it is not a concept album uh in the traditional sense it's not telling like a, a cohesive story but uh there are there are uh concepts at play that are pervasive through the whole thing so um i i discuss in the album statement a concept that i've i've talked about called mistaken divinity uh this idea of um of someone feeling that they are ordained by god mm. for for to do something right and uh this is where this is where the name and and the concept the literal concept of conquistador comes from yeah in that um you know the the explorers of the western world in the 1500s and 1600s during the during the age of discovery yeah. um felt that they were ordained by God, whether this was coming down from the heads of their state or, or these individuals themselves yeah, the, felt the church, this way. The church or, yeah. Hmm. Right. This, this was kind of the prevailing notion that we have a divine right to expand our empires. Yeah. Right. And, and the connection personally is, and the reason why I went this direction with, with the album is that that, same mindset and paradigm is what I personally uh, was terrorized by, uh, by a terrorizer in my life who felt she was completely convicted that she was uh, she was God on earth hmm. and what and was interpreting, uh, you know, the divine right uh, and acting through it. Um, and you know, it's, it's such a, it's such a crazy concept, but, uh, the, the parallels of, um, the, the, you know, the brainwash and the mind control and the, and the coercion of, of people is, is remarkably similar. Yeah. Um, this, this idea of, of being ordained by, 
by divinity. Yeah, by a higher um, power. Yeah, exactly. It is it's it's wild, and you know, I've never been an overtly religious person. I've never I've always felt spiritually inclined in a very abstract sense. Um, but uh, you know, but I was radicalized at a very fragile point mm. in my life at like 19 years old by a zealot by somebody who was radical herself. Um, and it was kind of the perfect storm in my personal life, uh, where, you know, I was, a, I am a fiercely loyal individual and, and, um, and I, have always been a very optimistic and hopeful person in general, you know, and, and when, when you're a teenager and you're 19 years old and you're full of hate and anger and just, just abstract hate and anger yeah. that's driven by fear and self-loathing and all these things that I think a lot of people connect with and understand being in that position, like, you know, this person came into my life like a hurricane and saved me from taking my own life. And what started as a beautiful patient practitioner relationship, somebody who was helping me heal myself, mm. gradually perverted into taking over my life and turning me against my family and my, my loved ones. And all under, you know, all under this paradigm that, that she was speaking as God. So it's, it's very, very powerful. It's a powerful idea. Um, and I think that regardless of anybody's, uh, personal experiences, I mean, um, my honesty that I tried to transmit through the music, uh, my, my hope is that that can connect with just about anybody. Well, the, the, uh, the album is very, when you listen to it, it's clear that it's very emotional and it's clear that it means a lot to you as a musician, you know, the vocals and everything just, you know, there's a degree of desperation in there, but there's also a, you know, a, a feeling of hope or, you know, like, uh, so for me, it it's, it's, uh, was clear when I listened to the album that, that this is something that means a lot to you as a person and starting to read about it, it became quite clear to me that this was an interesting theme and, uh, you know, like, uh, carthetic as well, you know, uh, some kind of cleansing for you to be able to, to bring this out and to have this album stand like, a you know, like a declaration from you on this uh, this part of your life or and and I totally agree with you I would say that as someone uh, who himself has uh, you know experiences when I was a teenager with a Norwegian black metal scene and being a part of that and you know the you know that uh, negativity and hate and a lot mm -hmm. of you know destruct destructive uh, things that happened there it's it's so easy to get caught up that and you're very vulnerable to be uh you know misled into something like that yeah. so uh, and also i uh, what you say about how terrifying it is to be faced with someone who is like 100 sure that they're right and that nothing they do can be questioned neither by themselves or by others i i find that very yeah it's a it's an interesting thing it's a it's a very interesting theme to the album so uh then i i, I would like to ask you know uh you talked about the band you had before uh, Stone Healer, 
uh, autolatry, yeah. right? Yeah. Autolatry, yes. Yeah. And I believe uh, I read that uh, some of the tracks on on this album or some of the early stuff even were like at least like frameworks or ideas that you had even back with that band with which also was with your brother right because i think we need to mention yes. that you know the other part of stone healer is your brother matt which is the drummer like you say and and, and so I, i'm wondering then uh is is um are you um the type of creator who like slowly painstakingly works creates new music or does it come easy to you because you know those six years between the ep and that's that's quite a long time how does that yeah. working relationship with your brother work also i'm interested in that mm -hmm. um well matt has been my drummer ever since he was nine years old and i was like 13 i mean it's it's there's no substitute for brother chemistry and i think especially with with heavy music because it's so much uh you know guitar and drum oriented you know guitar being the principal melody instrument and and uh and the drums being so important yeah um you know we had this immediate you know there's this brother chemistry that i feel like is unmistakable and we've always just had that and i i've never no music that i've ever personally written like all of and put myself into like he's been he's been a part of all of that he's always just been the guy that played drums in all my music so um there's we we work seamlessly i present him with music like we'll we'll work stuff out together um you know, in person because, you know, I, I hate demoing out drums, like, you know, <laughs> programming drums yeah. when, when I'm demoing songs, I'll record demos of, of just guitar and click, uh, if we're like not together, yeah. but, um, but we'll work stuff out just on the spot. And I'll always write guitar parts and bass parts with like, with the drums in mind, I'll have an idea of the rough idea, uh, you know, of, of rhythmically oh, what yeah. I want to happen. How, how you would like it to sound. Yeah but he'll he'll just take it from there yeah and he's he's a he's a rhythmic genius and just a just a drum savant um so we just it that part is easy the other part of of my process with you know writing uh the you know guitar parts um which come first and and you know bass and, and vocal arrangements and lyrics like that's all um i wouldn't even say it's methodical it's almost stream of consciousness when oh. it happens it happens yeah um because i you know i'm i'm a music professional first and foremost like i i'm a recording engineer first and foremost in, in my life yeah and to that end like sometimes i'll go four months without picking up a guitar because i'm just working on records yeah um you know and then so it's like sometimes i'll have something to write about I'll have something emotionally that needs to get out, whether that's a melody that I'm hearing or whether that's a poem that I take down and I, I turn that into to a verse and then a verse becomes two verses and then that becomes a song. Um, but I'll, I'll write I'll write when I need to is how it, how it's always been like I yeah. need to get something out of me. Um, and I think it goes along with I'm, I'm such a goal oriented person that if I don't have something I'm working towards, then I'm not going to, I'm not going to deal with it. I got exactly, other fish yeah. I can fry. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, so with, with, I mean, for instance, like with conquistador, like I, I wanted to write a bang up 
follow up record. I just wanted to 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 make the record I always envisioned making. I had something I needed to do, like that was my goal, and then and I had to get these very heavy, this very heavy emotional content out of me. So those two things, you know, I was in a, I was in a good place to, to write these kind of songs and that's how this came out. But that's really the ingredients for me as a writer. If you are enjoying this interview, please head over to theprogspace.com for more reviews, articles, pictures, and interviews all about progressive music. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, theprogspace.com. Yeah, I, I, I have to say, I find it interesting what you say about you, you know, being a professional musician or pro- professional engineer, you know. So I'm wondering then, you know, uh, when you are working in the studio with other bands and other bands' music, and, you know, it is, um, you have to get very much into it, I guess, you know, you have to really, you know, you listen to the same tracks over and over again, and you find, you pick out details and all that stuff that goes into being a good good engineer or a, a good you know, producer, is it hard then to not come out of that with, you know, your own ideas colored by things you're working on or to be like, Mm. yeah, I I just wondered because, you know, there's, this is your daily work and you are so, you know, that's a great question. Yeah. Um, it, it is, um, I think I'm definitely informed uh, by my artists and what I'm, what I'm working on at the time. But I'd say more than anything, I get, I get inspired to make my own stuff yeah. from work. So like, say I'll be working on like a metalcore record, you know, something that I, you know, a style that I, that I don't play and haven't ever played personally, but, um, you know, I'll be, you know, working on a section of a song and completely physically and emotionally invested, you know, on guitar tracking with this band one day. Uh, but you know, the entire time in the back of my mind, I'm thinking like, oh man, I could play that roof better than this guy. And like, oh, what if he just, you know, what if, what if we actually, instead of doing just this stupid little at the gates riff, like we do, let's, let's, uh, let's counterpoint these guitars, right? Have a second guitar part that's playing something different or backing it up with chords and moving progressions. And I'll be thinking about how I would do all this. Yeah. And so it's like, I'll take inspiration from, from these people that I'm working with, but uh, it doesn't necessarily specifically color what i work on no it just you know it it filters through the way that i that i see music personally yeah. and it and it sort of uh, feeds your own creativity in in ways yeah. yeah that you're able to do that you know uh going back to the the concept or the 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 theme of the album you know i um i'm quite impressed by the cover uh it's quite a mm. striking painting uh and it seems to be related to the the theme of conquistador as well it's like it's very it's a very agonizing you know figure uh, there what can you tell me about the cover and the artist and how that came to be so again it was v- it was very important for me from the start that uh that i i wanted to commission an original oil painting for the cover like yeah. that was, that was a, a goal going in. Um, and I, I love, I love art. I love oil painting. I love, I love paint in general, but, but oil is a, is a favorite medium of mine as an art consumer. 
And, um, you know, I went scouring the world, honestly, uh, mm. for an artist that whose aesthetic and whose style matches the feeling that I was presenting with the music. Um, so I found this artist whose name is Leo Olfelder and he's a Los Angeles based, uh, painter and visual artist of all kinds, as well as musician. He, he's an incredible musician as well. Um, and, you know, I saw his work on Instagram first and it immediately just hit me like heavy in the chest. Like I was struck by the emotional weight of his work. And I, I just, I knew he was the one, I knew he was the guy instantly. Um, so I presented him with the concept for the painting. I had it. I, this is the, this is the vision in my head that I had of the conquistador represented yeah. visually. Um, so, you know, I, I, I wrote it all out. I wrote the, I gave him a full on description of like, you know, why I'm making this album, what the song, what this album is about, the concepts behind it, you know, my, my emotional weight behind it, my spiritual weight behind it. And once I, once I was able to, to express that clearly, you know, Leo just took that and he took the image out of my head and he put it on canvas. Um, you know, I, I, I went, into detail to say, you know, this is, I, I want to depict the conquistador, hmm. uh, which is a meta, you know, it is a metaphorical representation. Um, you know, the conquistador represents really the ugliness, the most ugly facet of the human ego, um, and all its trappings. And, uh, he can only be felled by the thing that is emerging from his chest, the sunflower, Yeah, the flower. which is there to represent uh, just the, the, the broad concept of unconditional love. Mm. Because these, these, e this egotistical arrogance, uh, which is really such a huge root uh, of, of the concepts outlined in the album, I believe can only be, can only be felled by pure unconditional love and allowance and forgiveness of self and others. And, mm. and, and the good shit. You know? Exactly. Yeah. Um, so, so we, you know, he was able to depict this to the point that, you know, it, it has a jarring emotional kick to it, this piece of art. And, uh, you know, I, it, it brought tears to my eyes the first time I saw it, man. Like, well, it, it did it, what I wanted it to do. It is a very strong uh, piece of cover art. And for someone who's, you know, used to picking up music to going in record stores and, you know, going through the album covers and f finding something that, you know, uh, spoke to me, uh, that was some of the first things I reacted to when I, you know, mm. I saw the promo for the album. I was like, hmm, this is interesting. If the music mirrors in some way what the cover of this album it's, is, um, I'm going to need to listen to this. And I'm... <laughs> I'm very happy that I did. So, so <laughs> I wanna, I, I wanna, you know, move on a little bit because I, I, there seems to be quite a lot of black metal um, influences and inspirations in your music, um, and uh, I wanted to ask where does that come from? What is, what is your, you know, personal black metal journey? And to me, I was like, I, I seem to hear some stuff like Webuens Ende and v Virus in there. I don't know if that's something that uh, bands that you have listened to. Yeah, yeah, I, I like those bands. I mean, black metal is is probably, uh, I listen to a lot of black metal. 
And it's, uh, I, you know, I no longer consider myself like a black metal guy. Mm. Um, but, but I, I really, I really enjoy, um, I really, I really enjoy the genre as a whole and a lot of the, the sub styles. Um, and you know, I, I think from the time I was like 17, I was working on black metal material in addition to kind of more like death metal oriented material. Yeah. Um, but, uh, that's kind of been a theme for the last 10 to 15 years of my life is like finding cool black metal records that are, that are kind of progressive and, and push the boundaries. Um, I hear the, the virus, uh, comp a few times, um, that, that people hear some of that in there. And it's interesting. Like, I don't, I don't really listen to, uh, to that band a whole lot, but I, I, I love them. Yeah. Do you ever get that from artists? Like they'll, they'll really love and appreciate bands and have maybe listened to the records like a few times. Yeah. You don't have to be like a super fan all the time to, to like really, really love a band. And that's kind of where I fall with a, with a lot of, with a lot of black metal. Yeah, it's kind of weird because I even I would say I even love or highly respect certain bands that I don't really enjoy that much as well. So yeah, that, so I get even that. that happens when when it's kind of music where you are like, wow, this is really impressive. It's not my thing, but I mm-hmm. I have to say I'm I'm really impressed by it. And you know, I'm contractually ob- obligated or like mandated by the Norwegian state, being a Norwegian, to ask then about Norwegian black metal <laughs> and Scandinavian black metal. You know, uh, yeah. uh, what are your experiences with with that, if if any? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I you know, especially especially being a, a teenager in the U.S., like the cool, I, you know, growing up everyone's trying to find a way to be different and, and like edgy in their own way. So for me, like I, you know, I immediately took to the aesthetic of nineties Norwegian black metal, Mm -hmm. all about it, all about it. I dove deep into that rabbit hole. Um, for me, you know, two, two bands that stand out for me. Um, uh, Helheim is one of my favorite all time bands and a a bucket list band that, that I hope one day to, to see live. Mm. Um, they, they remain an influence on my writing to this day. And I, I'd say they're my favorite, uh, favorite Norwegian band. But another one that comes to mind is uh, Dodheimsgard. Oh, yes, um, of course. Yeah. Avant-garde, yet also rooted in traditional black metal. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and I think the same can be said for, for Helheim. I mean, traditional like Viking adjacent black metal, but they have as they've grown into a, into a band, you know, they, they've taken on a very progressive notion. Very much um, so. Yeah. And, and they've, they channel a lot of straight rock and roll. And I love that. I love that they can be true to, you know, where they started and where they came from as a band and f- continue to find their voice over the years as they age. Yeah, you're right. It is interesting because a lot of these bands, you know, prime example would would be Enslaved, I guess, which, yeah. you know, moving very much into a, a progressive territory and, and so on with a, a, a lot of the other Scandinavian bands, you know, starting out as very, you know, <laughs> four by four uh, black yeah. metal and then moving on to the weirder parts of, uh, of, uh, of music in a way. I remember finding I, I must have been, you know, 15, 16 years old. And I remember finding enslaved in their early material and uh, and Frost and yeah. uh, Viking Liga Veldi and and thinking, whoa, like, <laughs> 
I love this. Yeah. This is awesome. I like I found my favorite band like instantly. Um, I re- you know, it's it's uh, it's an incredible sound. Yeah. Uh, you know, that that was coming out of Norway at that at that time in the early 90s and mid 90s. Enslaved is a very good band like that. And, and they're also interesting in the fact that they stayed sort of on the side of this whole satanic panic thing and managed yeah. to still be a part of the scene so it's it's a good band but but then i want to ask about you know we touched on black metal now what about the progressive side of music you know progressive rock progressive metal or progressive music in general what are your experiences with that side of the of music um that's that's interesting i like I, you know, this is something I was thinking about this morning. Like, there's not a whole lot of straight progressive either metal or just music in general that I that I listen to. Uh, and that's kind of where I feel like I, as a result of my influences being very polar in metal and rock, I kind of myself find my voice slotting in naturally to what would be called progressive metal. Um, I honestly can't think of a band who I really love and have like off the top of my head that would be considered like straight prog rock or prog metal. Mm. Um, I don't really listen to a lot of it. I see. But, but you know, incredibly like my music ends up coming out in, in, you know, largely something that can be called progressive metal. Um, I don't know. What are some good progressive metal bands? <laughs> well, I, I have to say that for me, it's interesting because uh, your music seems more to be me like uh, 70s inspired progressive hard rock mixed with black metal or death metal or extreme metal, mm. that what we say today, than any form of progressive metal which is like people think of, you know, your Queen's Rages and Fate's Warnings and Dream Theaters and those mm-hmm. bands. And you can't really um, uh, you can't really think of those bands at all when you listen to Stonehealer. But yeah, you may, but maybe you can think of your, you know, your Camels or your, you know, <laughs> your Yeses or Emerson, Lake and Palmers if they were to play like black metal in, in 2021. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I um I honestly never really became a huge like prog head of, of, you know, the originators and and the big names. I mean, um, I hear comps like that a lot, but, but that was never me and my listening and my fandom. Like, I think one of my, my favorite band, one of my favorite bands of all time is heart. Oh yeah. (laughs) Um, and they're more, they're more of a, they had many progressive leanings, but you wouldn't call them a prog rock no, band. No. They're more they of were, a, class, a rock classi- yeah, classic classic hard rock, rock band. Yeah. 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 And I, I think that, you know, just, you know, big picture, like I'm, I think I like to take the most progressive elements of bands and artists and, and really latch on to them, even if they're not, you couldn't call them prog rock. No, exactly. Um, but, but there are so many progressive leanings and nuances yeah. like heart, um, inspired me to layer uh, different acoustic instruments with electric instruments. That's my inspiration for for really exploring that territory, because what they what they do with two mandolins playing in counterpoint is fucking amazing. Yeah, I agree. I, I, I encourage agree. any metalhead to go revisit Hart's discography just for this sick mandolin action, <laughs> because <laughs> no, it's it's counterpoint. No it's prog yeah. metal. Yeah. It's like it's it's real stuff. 
no objections there and and i have to say another band that came to mind while i was listening to your album especially the um, you know the more acoustic parts and the more it's like some of the more uh straightforward hard rocky pa- parts of kansas the band kansas oh which wow. is also yeah which is also a, a very american sounding band and that's also yeah. a thing i like about stone healer that it's clearly black metal but it's also has this kind of um i wouldn't say americana maybe you know there there is maybe. some yeah there is something there that i pick up on but let's move on to this hard rock and you know also sure. grunge i want to say because for mm-hmm. me when i listened to the album i was like hmm, this is like if soundgarden <laughs> decided to make a black metal album or <laughs> alice in chains like you mentioned you know where does that where does that come from you know your your love of this hard rock and grunge and well that was my entrance into music yeah I mean, my i remember um nirvana was the first band that i was infatuated with as a kid i i was uh my my dad had a tape of nevermind you know their their biggest album yes and i must have been you know i my parents are both musicians and my family is a very musical family and every you know my brother and i had instruments thrown at us from a young age so I was playing, you know, I cello was my instrument that they gave me. And, um, you know, I I was trying to sound out the songs on Nevermind on the cello because I had no other way to express like I can't get these chords and these melodies out of my head. Um, you know, so it, it started there. And as I grew into my, you know, my my adolescence, um, I further became kind of obsessed with like, I want to be a rock star like this. Like I want (laughs) to, I want to make a lasting impression like this with my music. Cause um, you know, Nirvana is cool. Cause they, they came from punk. Like that's a punk band that found like mainstream rock and mainstream appeal Absolutely, Uh, and it's messy and it's raw and it's emotional and it's heavy. And it's, you know, I, I still love Nirvana this day, but that's, that's kind of what, what, um, my love for, for hard rock and, and the kind of the grunge sound comes from. Then I found bands like Soundgarden and Stone Temple Pilots and Alice in Chains and, um, you know, to, to this day, like those are my favorite records of all time. Like yeah. Alice in Chains facelift is number one for me all time. Favorite record ever. That'll never change. And then like Stone Temple Pilots core is there, you know, Soundgarden, Bad Motorfinger. Like those are my favorite vocalists, number one. Um, and, and there's just an unmistakable vibe that like matches my personality. So I love it. I love it. I can't, I can't get rid of it. It's like, it's who I am now. <laughs> well, there's nothing to get rid of because that, <laughs> that music uh, genuinely has sort of seeped into the sound of Stone Healer in a very positive way, or should I say in a very melancholic way? Because uh, especially when it comes to Alice in Chains, I have to say that there's some kind of desperate melancholy in their music yes. that also comes across yes. in Stone Healer. So, so that was something I, I instantly picked up on that uh, there is, there is a lot of emotion there and that's something that's personally i think is is needed and is interesting in in more extreme music as well so yeah it's it's easy to hear i i want to ask then since it's just you and your brother um are is and of course now we're in the middle of a pandemic still you know we're (laughs) 
maybe we are seeing some kind of light in the the tunnel now hopefully it's not a, another train but you know uh, mm-hmm. would you <laughs> <laughs> would you guys be be interested in performing this music live or would you you know i guess you would have to put together some kind of you know live band then which is that something that you're considering or yeah i fully plan on on doing some serious touring in the future when it when it is possible to uh i you know matt and i did a lot of touring with our with autolatry back in the day yeah um and we we played shows all over the country and had a great time with that but matt would not be part of the live lineup that i put together Uh, going forward because his his that that's not where his priority lies i see um so he you know we'll take it on a case by case basis for, for for recordings in the future but he's a he's a farmer um he's he's agriculturally based that's that's his, he's an incredible cider maker uh if anyone's into cider out there uh he's an he's an apple orchard expert and um overall uh agriculture badass but um that you know anybody who knows farming knows that that's your life yes uh, of course every day. it is 100% uh, your life yeah so he will always love music and he will always be a drummer and always yeah. be incredible but, at drumming. But picking but, up your um, bag and going on tour in... With, that's not going to yeah, happen. That's just yeah. impossible, yeah. So we'll put together... I, I will put together a all-star live lineup yeah. of musicians who who I know and love and, and friends of mine who are just incredible. And we'll take the show on the road. That's yeah. That's my... That is my goal. Yeah, and I hope hope you will get a chance to to bring that show over to Europe at one point because I would love to see this music being performed live and and you know it's it's kind of a this kind of uh, stupid question because we're now focusing on Conquistador uh, but I sort of feel I have to ask it because people are always interested. So are you already writing new material for a follow up to to the album? Not yet. No. Um again like i i am so enjoying this moment right now you know i'm glad uh but on top of that like i'm i'm building a new recording studio right now that takes up all my days i'm i'm trying to you know keep my fingers fresh with with these old you know old these conquistador songs yeah um you know i I, now that i'm seeing the record do really well Mm. and people really connect with the music i feel i have something to write for again exactly Um, i feel that i that i want to reach back inside me and pull out some more realness um you know to keep to keep the train moving uh so i i'm going to be working on this but um not started yet i don't have i don't have a backlog of material i'm going to let it flow (laughs) see what happens that's good well Thank you so much for being on the Prog Talks with me, Dave. Um, And you guys who are watching the show, you should seriously follow the band on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. I'm going to put the links on screen here so you can check them out. You should all 
Of course, also go and listen to Conquistador, which is available in all like streaming services and on Bandcamp, or even better, buy the goddamn album <laughs> so that the guys will have some <laughs> some money to to make more music and to to get out there. So, uh, it in my experience, it's gonna be worth every penny. So, um, and also thanks for watching and listening. Uh, please like and subscribe. It helps us out a lot at the prog space. And uh, thank you. Dave, for being on the show. Thank you so much for having me. It was a pleasure chatting with you. Stay safe, everyone, and keep spreading that prog love.